Hello and welcome back to Latin 2 from the Church of St. Agnes. Today we're going to be doing uh, our Unit 16 exercises. Uh, if you'll turn to page 130 of the Collins book, I just want to make a note about the vocabulary, actually a reminder, um, that Collins lists verbs in a rather peculiar way. Uh, instead of listing all of them in an alphabetical order, he will list the root verb and then show many compounded verbs after that root verb. So take a look at, for instance, um, fundo there in your left column. Fundo fundere fudi fusus, which means to pour. Then you have the compounded verbs, confundo, to pour together or to mix up, to confound, we get from Engl in English. A fundo, to pour out from ex fundo. Um, and that means, of course, to, if we're effusive, you're pouring out your emotions. In fundo, to pour in or infuse. Re fundo, to pour back. And of course, that's the word we get a refund from. Um, we also note that uh, often in such verbs, there can be a, a vowel change, which is called an ablaut change. Take a look at scando, scandere, scandi, scansus. We get from that verb, which means to climb or mount, a scando, which turns into ascendo. Notice the A changes to an E. This is very common in Indo-European words. When they're compounded and such, you often have a vowel change. So ascendo, ascendere means to go up. Descendo, the opposite, means to go down or descend. So I just wanted to point that out to you. Make sure you're looking at your verbs and all of those compounds that Collins gives to you in each chapter. Now let's turn to page 133 to go over our exercises proper. You will recall that uh, we had a rather long lesson time last time during which I explained to you the participial system of Latin, among other things. In Roman numeral 2 on page 133, we have six short sentences uh, drilling some participles. So let's take a look. Paulus vidit Petrum ambulantem in via. The main sentence, Paul saw Peter. That's pretty straightforward. Now notice, ambulantem, from the word ambulo, ambulare, to walk, to amble, ambulate, we get from it. And notice, it's a present participle, ambulantem, and it's a third declension uh, in its declensional um, form, and it's modifying Petrum. So, what kind of Peter is he? He's an ambulantem in via Peter, a walking in the road Peter. And that adjectival phrase, which is a participle, a verbal adjective, modifies Peter. Paul saw Peter walking in the road. Now remember, I gave you an example. I saw the man running through the field. And we said, in English, we might call that a dangling participle because we're not quite sure who's the one running. Here, in English, Paul saw Peter walking in the road. Paul walking in the road saw Peter? No. 
In Latin, we cannot be in doubt because ambulantem is in the accusative modifying patron. If it were a Paul who was walking in the road, it would have been ambulans in the nominative. Okay, so present participle. Let's take a look at number two. Videns Jesum vir clamavit. Well, our main sentence is vir clamavit. The man cried out. What kind of man is he? He's a videns Jesum, a participial phrase. Seeing Jesus, the man cried out. Notice videns is in the nominative, modifying man in number, gender, and case. So the man seeing Jesus cried out. Now, you can make it fancier in English. You can say, when the man saw Jesus, he cried out. Or upon seeing Jesus, the man cried out. However you want to do it. But note, videns, the present participle in the nominative, modifying vir. Now, here's another thing that I didn't tell you last time. I thought I'd save you some of the details for this week. The participle in Latin has relative time value. So whenever you use a present participle, it shows contemporaneous or same time as the main verb. When you use a perfect participle, perfect participle shows prior time or time before the main verb. And when you use a future participle, that shows time subsequent or after the main verb. So in this case, vir klamavit, the man cried out. That's a past tense. Upon seeing Jesus, those times are simultaneous or contemporaneous. If we changed the verb, the main verb, to present tense, vir klamat, the man cries out, we'd get the same thing. Seeing Jesus, the man cries out. Those two actions are contemporaneous because we're using a present participle. Number three, beati qui audientes verbum domini faciunt. Happy are those who do the word of the Lord. That's the main sentence. But what kind of happy people are they who? Audientes, notice, nominative plural, present participle, has to modify the plural subject. Beati qui. Blessed or happy are those who, hearing, what kind of people are they? They're hearing people, do the word of the Lord. So remember, participle, a verbal adjective, must agree in number, gender, and case with the noun it modifies. Number four, servus chenam parabat paulo venienti in domo. So there we see our main sentence right in the first three words. Servus, the servant, was preparing chenam, dinner. He was preparing dinner. That's your main sentence. But then we have Paulo in the dative case, probably a dative of interest, dative of advantage if it's a good dinner. The servant was preparing dinner for Paul. Now, notice we now have a participial phrase modifying Paul. Paolo is in the dative. Venienti is in the dative. The servant was preparing dinner for Paul. What kind of Paul is he? He's a coming into the house Paul. 
Now you can translate that in English many different ways. The servant was preparing dinner for Paul when he was coming into the house or because he was coming into the house or because he was coming into the home. The important thing is notice Paulo in the dative in the second declension word, veniente in the dative in a third declension participle. Even though the endings are different, they are both in the dative singular masculine Number, gender, and case, they modify, uh, Venienti modifies Paul and describes him in a participial phrase. Okay, let's take a look at five. Oramos pro indomino viventibus. Oramos, we pray pro. Now, pro, the second you see pro, you need to look for an ablative because pro takes the ablative. Now, in is not an ablative noun or a pronoun. So in domino is another part, uh, a prepositional phrase within a prepositional phrase. But then we have viventibus there at the end in the ablative. Notice that viventibus is a participle coming from the Latin verb vivo, to live. Vivo vivere. We make the participle in the present vivo, vivens viventis, and here we have viventibus in the dative or ablative singular. Pro takes the ablative. So we pray on behalf of those living in domino, in the Lord. Now notice, just like any good adjective in Latin, participles are an adjective, but they can act as nouns. So for instance, we say, who are the bony? They are the good people. Who are the bone, the good women? Boni, good men. Bona, good things. Here, those viventibus are the ones living. Pro takes the ablative. We have pro plus viventibus in the plural. We pray on behalf of the living or those living in the Lord. And that final one in section two. Paulus vocavit unum hominum ex ecclesia veniensium. So the main sentence, Paul called unum, one. Now, your temptation may be to make hominum agree with unum. But remember, unum is a first and second declension adjective, whereas hominum is a third declension noun. So hominum, even though the endings look the same, unum and hominum, hominum is in the genitive plural. Paul called one of the men one of the people. Notice hominum in the genitive plural. It's the genitive, uh, partitive genitive. Paul called one of the people ex ecclesia veniensium. Notice that phrase, ex ecclesia veniensium. There's the genitive, and it's a participle from venio, venio veniens, venientis. Okay, but note, look at the ending, I-U-M, the participial plural genitive ending. So that's going to modify men. Paul called one of the men. What kind of men are they? Those coming ex ecclesia, out of the church. So Paul called one of the men coming out of the church. Again, in English, we might be tempted to say, oh, that's a dangling participle. Maybe Paul's coming out of the church. But in Latin, no doubt because venientium modifies hominum.
one of the men, what kind of men? The coming out of the church man. So that's how participles work. There are, those are good practice examples. And um, please look, at, look those over and make sure you understand them. Now, moving right on to the exercises. We said this week we do the odd-numbered exercises. So we have in the first one, one that we all know, in nomine patris et fili et spiritus sancti. Amen. That's the sign of the cross in Latin. And, of course, the important thing here is in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Take a look. Spiritus sancti. Spiritus is the genitive from a fourth declension word. Spiritus, spiritus. And sancti is a second declension adjective. Sanctus aum. So again, second declension adjectives can modify any declension noun, just as third declension adjectives can modify any declensional noun. Here, both in the genitive singular, um, and we have a fourth declension spiritus and a second declension adjective. Nomini patris et filii et spiritus sancti. Amen. Okay, number three. Apostoli de derunt. Panes miros, hominibus in terra reclinatis. All right, so we take a look. The apostles is the subject. De derunt. There's your verb. That's a pretty easy one. They gave. The apostles gave. What did they give? Now we look for an accusative. Panes miros. Panes, remember, means bread. Panes angelicus, angel bread. But here we have the plural. When, when panis is in the plural, usually means loaves, so uh, loaves of bread. So the apostles gave loaves. What kind of loaves are they? Miros, marvelous, wonderful, um, almost uh, mystical. Why are they marvelous or wonderful or miraculous? Miraculous is a better word because these are the loaves, of course, that I think they're talking about when Jesus uh, multiplied the loaves and the fishes. So the apostles gave miraculous loaves hominibus. There's your dative. You'd expect an indirect object with the verb give. Verbs of giving almost always with an indirect, a direct object and an indirect object. So the apostles gave miraculous loaves hominibus to the men or to the people. Now, in terra reclinatis, aha, we have a phrase here. These are men in terra, on the ground. But what kind of men are they? Reclinatis in terra. Reclinatis is a participle. From reclino, reclinare. We go to the fourth principle part. Reclinatus aum. That's our perfect passive participle. Fourth principle part. And notice here it modifies hominibus. What kind of men are they? They're the having reclined on the ground men. <laughs> it sounds silly to do it that way in English, but I'm just doing it uh, literally so you understand that reclinatis is a perfect passive participle. Now what we talked about in time relationship, notice I told you that the perfect participles denote prior time to the main verb. Both of these actions are in the past. The apostles gave loaves to men. What kind of men? The men having reclined on the ground or the, in, on the earth. Notice the having reclined 
came actually before they gave them. They were reclining on the ground, and then the apostles gave them the bread. So there you have it. The apostles gave miraculous loaves to the people who had, you could say, who had reclined on the ground or having reclined on the ground. Um, in English, we would most commonly use a relative clause, who had reclined on the ground. Okay, number five. Tunk, Jesus said apostoli, intra domum erant, manducantes pasca, unus autem dominum iam tradiderat. So Tunk, then Jesus et apostoli, Jesus and the apostles, intra domum erant, were within the house or inside the house. And now look at this phrase, manducantes pasca, manducantes, notice, Plural nominative masculine. What else is plural nominative masculine? Jesus et apostoli. So it's modifying the subject. Jesus and the apostles. What kind of Jesus and the apostles are they? They are eating the Pascha, the, the, the Paschal feast. Eating Passover, eating the Passover feast. They were within the house. Okay, so that's a participial phrase. Manducantes modifying the subject. Then the second part. Unus autem dominum, one, however, yam, already tradidirat, had betrayed or handed over dominum, the Lord. Of course, they're talking about Judas. So, um, manducantes, a participle, modifying Jesus et apostoli, they, that describes their actions. You could say, then Jesus and the apostles were in, uh, in within the home um, while they were eating uh, or since they were eating, or however what you want to do it, or just simply eating the Paschal Feast. Okay, number seven. We have three different sort of variations here. Dum Jesus autem ambulat ad mare vidit Petrum. While Jesus walks, however, to the sea, he saw Peter. Now, notice that ambulat is in the present, vidit is in the past, Jesus saw Peter. He saw Peter while he was walking to the sea. Interesting that in a doom clause, and I'm not so sure Collins has even told you this, but in a doom clause, even though the main sentence is in the past tense, vidit, uh, Latin likes to use the present. And that's why ambulat is in the present. Um, so while Jesus walks to the sea, he saw Peter, or was walking to the sea. Now notice number B, or letter B. Donec Jesus autem ambulabat ad mare vidit Petrum. Again, Donec, while Jesus, however, was walking to the sea, he saw Peter. The point here is that Donec uh, doesn't have that same characteristic of dum. As I told you just a minute ago, dum, when it introduces a clause, likes to use the present but it shows contemporaneous time. That clause shows contemporaneous or same time with the main verb. So those two sentences, A and B, would be translated exactly the same. In the second sentence with Donek, we use the imperfect. Um, it's just a quirk of the word dum in Latin. And note, look at uh, letter C, another way of doing it. Jesus autem, Jesus, however, Ambulans ad mare, walking to the sea, vidit Petrum, saw Peter. 
Here we have a participial phrase. So instead of using dum or donec, you can use simply the participle, and it means the same thing in Latin. Jesus, however, walking to the sea, saw Peter. Now, this one is expanded a little bit. What kind of Peter is it? Is he? Monentem felicem populum. Notice, patrum. Then we have monentem. Monentem is a participle. From monio, monere, to advise, to warn. And notice, it's in the accusative singular case. It means it has to be modifying Peter. What kind of Peter is he? He is a, an, an advising the happy or faithful people. So Jesus, however, walking to the sea, saw Peter. What kind of Peter is he? And advising the faithful people, Peter. Or you could say more nicely in English, Jesus, however, walking to the sea, saw Peter while he was advising the faithful or happy people. Okay, so you're getting a sense of how participles are used in Latin. And they're used very often. Let's take a look at number nine. Discipuli autem collegerunt confractos panes a popolo relictos. So the subject, discipuli, the disciples, however, autem, collegerunt, from colligo to collect. They collected. What did they collect? Confractos panes. There's that word panes again, the loaves. But what kind of loaves are they? Confractos, from uh, confrego, to, to break. Um, and remember uh, that that's a uh, compound uh, verb from frango. Um, it means to break. But notice it's the perfect passive participle modifying the word pano, panes. So they collected the loaves. What kind of loaves were they? The having been broken loaves. So the disciple, and we wouldn't say that in English, we'd say simply, the disciples, however, collected the broken loaves. And what kind of, and now we have another phrase, apopolo relictos. Notice, apopolo, a plus the ablative, but then relictos. Look at the ending on relictos. It has to go with panes. It's the only thing in the accusative plural masculine. So these are not only broken loaves, but they are a popolo relictos loaves. They are loaves having been left behind by the people. You remember when Jesus performed the miracle of the loaves and fishes, he instructed the apostles, go around and collect all the fragments. And they did that, and there was something like 12 baskets full. So this is what that's referring to, and it's using two participles. First, to describe the kind of loaves they are, confractos, the having been broken loaves. We just say the broken loaves. And they are also loaves, relictos a popolo, left behind by the people. Okay? So, um, and the apostles collected them. Notice that the confractos and the relictos, because they are perfect passive participles, Perfect participles, as I mentioned, show prior time to the main verb. So the bread was broken and it was left by the people before the apostles collected it. Simply in English, the disciples collected the broken loaves left behind by the people. That's how we'd say it.
Number 11. Accepit panem et gratias agens fregit et dixit hoc est corpus meum. Well, we know that comes right from Corinthians, and that, those are the words of institution of the sacred host at Mass. He took bread, accepit panem, et gratias agens. And here's a participial phrase, agens gratias. Do you remember the idiom in Latin, gratias ago, I give thanks. Here we have the participial form, agens. That modifies the subject he. And of course, even though it's not expressed, we know that this is Jesus. He took the bread and agens gratias, giving thanks. Notice it's a participle, same time as the main verb. Giving thanks, fregit. He broke it at dixit and said, hoc est corpus meum. This is my body. Very good. All right. Uh, let's look at number 13. Christus Jesus enum effudit sanguinem pro mundi vita. So this is a straightforward sentence. No participles. The subject, Christus Jesus, Jesus Christ, indeed, enum, indeed, or for, he effudit, effudit. Uh, he poured forth. What did he pour forth? Sanguinem, his blood, pro mundi vita. Pro takes the ablative. Mundi is not in the ablative, but vita is. On behalf of the life, mundi, in the genitive, of the world. Subjective genitive, the world's life. On behalf of the world, Jesus poured forth his blood. That's, an, that's a straightforward and fairly easy one. Let's take a look at number 15. In oratione genuflectentes, semper laudabimus dominum. Qui passione et morte in cruce et resurrectione mundum salvit fecit. So, as we read our Latin, um, it's good for you always to read these sentences out loud to yourself, um, to get a sense of the flow of the sentence, uh, and this will help you really to begin to learn how to recognize a Latin sentence in its, what to us is peculiar word order. Um, we don't know exactly in oratione je flectentes. We see in the nominative plural, we don't quite know what that is yet. Semper laudabimus. Ah, there's our key, the verb. We always will praise Dominum, the Lord. So there's your main sentence. We will always praise the Lord. And how do we do this? In oratione genuflectentes. Notice, genuflectentes Nominative, plural, masculine. What else is nominative, plural? The unexpressed subject in, in laudabimus, we. What kind of we are, are we? We are genuflecting in prayer. So genuflecting in prayer, we will always praise the Lord. And now we have a relative clause. Qui, who, Passione et morte in cruce et resurrectione. So notice we have uh, three ablatives. Passione, morte, in cruce, et resurrectione. So we still don't know what's going on when the verb here in the, until we get a little bit further. Mundum salvum fecit. Well, there's the verb of the relative clause. Who made safe the world, or who made the world safe. 
It's a, pr a predicate or objective complement. He made the world safe. How did he do this? By his passion and death on the cross and resurrection. Now, there are a couple things happening here. We have a relative clause, qui fecit, who made the mundum salvum, who made the world safe. In Latin, that's an idiom. We say in one of the Psalms, salvum me fac domine, make me safe, Lord. What we mean by that is save me. This is the way we say in Latin often in the Psalms and other places, save me, uh, in other words, give me salvation. So here, he saved the world, we might say in, in idiomatic English. He made the world safe. He saved the world. Who saved the world? And then we have ablatives of means. By means of his passione, by his passion, and his death on the cross, and his resurrection. These are ablatives without a preposition. The ablatives of means or instrument. Okay. Uh, on the next page, 134, let's take a look at number 17. Quis nos separabit a caritate Christi? Well, this is a quote from Romans, a quite familiar one. Quis, who nos, and he tells you that means us, that's the accusative. Separabit, that's easy to know in English, just looks just the same. Who will separate us a caritate Christi from the love of Christ? Yes, that's a fairly straightforward one. From the we get caritate, we get charity from that, but it's the Christian charity, it's the Greek agape. So, um, uh, who will separate us from the love of Christ? From Romans, okay, number 19 Pascalis ritus memores videmus suavitatem et misericordiam et caritatem. Dei Patris. So, we see Pascalis Ritus. We're not quite sure maybe what that is. We see the us ending on Ritus. We know it's not nominative because that's a short U. Here's a long U. Memores, a plural. Videmus, there's our verb. We see. What do we see? We see the suavitatem, the sweetness, et misericordium, and mercy, et caritatem, and love, Dei Patris of God the Father. And, and now what do we do with this phrase in the beginning? Pascalis ritus memor, memores. Notice, memores, nominative plural. So again, we have it modifying the unexpressed subject hidden in the verb videmus. We see. We are nominative plural. We, what kind of we are we? We are mem uh, or, uh, mindful of, and that takes the genitive, Pascalis ritus. Notice Pascalis ritus is in the genitive. Ritus is a fourth declension word. Ritus, ritus, genitive. Pascalis is a two-ending adjective. Pascalis, pascali. In the genitive, Pascalis, pascalis. So that phrase is in the genitive. Mindful of or remembering the Paschal ritual, we see the sweetness and mercy and love of God the Father. Notice we have the three objects, et misericordiam, or suavitatem, et misericordiam, et caritatem. And when we use uh, successive um, uh, connectors like et, 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 we call that polysyndeton. 
we, when we don't use any conjunctions, we call it asyndeton. That's a rhetorical or poetic device. So one more time, mindful or being mindful of or remembering the Paschal rite or ritual, we see the sweetness and the mercy and the love of God the Father. Okay, number 21. Venit filius hominus manducans et bibens. Okay, uh, yeah, this is a short quote from a passage in Matthew. So, venit, there's our verb, uh, perfect tense. Filius hominus, there's our subject. The Son of Man came. And now, manducans et bibens. Notice, those are participles. They are in the nominative singular, meaning they must modify a nominative singular noun, which happens to be filios. Manducans from manducare, bibens from bibo. We add the ns from on the stem, and we have the present participle. What kind of son of man is he? He's an eating and drinking son. The son of man came eating and drinking. This is in a long passage in the gospel. goes on to talk. He's comparing St. John the Baptist and Jesus and others, and he talks about him coming into the world eating and drinking, I think, to show his humanity. In any, great, in any case, the important thing here grammatically is that manducans et, et bibens, two participles in the nominative, modifying philios. All right, number 23. Qua propter, salutare preceptum domini Felices audivimus, et diligimus omnes, et nobis similes, et dissimiles. Uh, now this is a uh, rather long sentence, uh, and we have to be careful as we, as we read it. We need to read it along, um, register what we see and hear, and then uh, take a look at what we have grammatically. Uh, when we see the verb, finally, audivimus, again we know, diligimus, again we know, first person plural. So wherefore, and we have the salutare preceptum domine, the salvific precept, or the life-giving or salvation-giving precept, or teaching, domine, of the Lord. Now, felices audivimus, there's our verb and our subject. We have heard. What kind of we are we? We are felices, happy. We happy, wherefore, we happy have heard the salutare preceptum domini. So there's your object, which actually comes first in the sentence, the salvific teaching of the Lord. We happy have heard that teaching. And diligimus omnes, and we and at uh, diligimus, and we love omnes, all. At nobis similes, at dissimiles. <coughs> Excuse me. Both those who are similes, at dissimiles. Both those who are similar and dissimilar, nobis, to us. Now, that sentence is a little tricky simply because of its word order. But it's a straightforward sentence uh, when we break it down. Wherefore, 
we, Felices, happy, fortunate, have heard the life-giving or the salvation-giving, the salvific precept or teaching of the Lord. This is the great commandment, right? And we love all people. Et nobis similes et dissimiles. Both those who are similes and dissimiles nobis. Both similar and different to us. Both those who are similar and those who are dissimilar to us. Notice similes and dissimiles modifies omnes, which is the object of diligimus. So, when you have a sentence like that, whose order is somewhat scrambled and um, not at, uh, immediately apparent, um, read it through, read it through a couple times, um, watch for your cases, you see the verb, then it starts falling into place. And a good way to end the lesson is uh, sentence number 25, per omnia secula seculorum, we know that phrase, we've heard it a million times at Mass in Latin, per omnia secula seculorum, literally, through all the ages of ages. That's how we, we in Latin, we say forever and ever, amen. Per omnia secula seculorum. There you go. Uh, just for fun, take a look at 24, um, because uh, that expresses or uh, demonstrates uh, another use of the participle. Jesus reclinatus in cenaculo cum apostolis panem frangebat. So the subject is right there, Jesus, and the main verb is at the end of the sentence, frangebat, he was breaking bread, panem, cum apostolis, with the apostles. Now, what kind of Jesus is he? Reclinatus in cenaculo. Notice, reclinatus, nominative, singular, masculine, has to agree with the subject, which is Jesus. So that's a participle. That's the fourth principal part of reclinare. So it's the perfect passive participle. Having reclined or having been reclined, uh, having been uh, put down or laid, uh, bent down. Remember, the here's something interesting that maybe people don't realize. The ancients reclined on couches when they ate. The table was put in the center. Usually there were three large couches fanning out from the table on three sides. And there were usually three people to a couch. They were wide. And you, you, you ate as you reclined, leaning on one elbow and using your usually your right hand, leaning on your left elbow, using your right hand to feed yourself. So, for instance, you might remember in the gospel when um, the, the, the woman rushes in to the banquet where Jesus is eating and she throws herself at the feet of Jesus and washes his feet with her hair and with uh, oil. Uh, you know, if you didn't understand the ancient dining method, you'd think, well, how in the world did this woman wash Jesus' feet with her hair? Did she crawl under the table? Well, no. It was quite simple for her because these couches, as I say, radiating out from the table meant that at the back end of the couch, your feet would be placed. You, you, your head and shoulders and arms would be near the table. So she simply came to the to the foot 
of the couch on which they were reclining, and Jesus's feet were right there. And so she easily washed them with her hair. She didn't have to crawl under a table. So here we have Jesus having reclined in the dining room. Cenacolo is the cenacle. We get the word cenacle from it or the dining room. And having reclined, prior time in the main room, having reclined, uh, was breaking bread with the apostles. Okay, so there you have our lesson uh, and exercises for Unit 16. This was our homework. I hope that I've been able to explain these uh, participial uses clearly to you. Um, remember, you can go back and review all of this as many times as you want. Uh, this was a chapter, a unit full of information um, and uh, a lot of information. Uh, don't get overwhelmed. Don't get worried. I sometimes am critical of the Collins book because I don't think his presentation is as even or as steady as it could be. Some chapters we have that are quite uh, simple and uh, with not much information. Others, he piles on a great deal. Be that as may, this is the book we're using. It's one of the few books uh, that, is, that are out there that are dedicated to ecclesiastical or medieval Latin. So we're using it, and we'll deal with it as we, as we must and as we go along. So at any rate, given that, uh, I hope that you understand the grammar in Unit 16. Uh, on Sunday, we will be posting a new audio tape on Unit 17. And this one is a little easier, doesn't have as many different grammatical, um, grammatical f uh, features, uh, but mostly irregular verbs. So until then, uh, I hope you're doing well. Do your work, say your prayers, do your Latin. Uh, and uh, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to drop me an email, uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. Have a good day. Bye-bye.